know, I learned it from AA that, you know, the, getting out of addiction meant I had a sponsor, somebody who really invested in my life. I had people where I could come and say, hey, my name is Jim Putman, and I'm an alcoholic, and I've been sober for so-and-so, you know, or, or I fell. And everybody would say, we're really glad you're here. There was this environment of where you had somebody really investing in you, and you had a group of people you could be honest with about your struggles. Well, that's supposed to be the church. AA was being more like the church, confessing your sins one to another, bearing each other's burdens, spending time together. The AA was being more like God's designed church than the church was. This is Charisma Connection on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Taylor Berglund, and today I am pleased to be joined on the phone lines by pastor and author Jim Putnam. Jim, are you there? I am. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. It's good to be on the show. It's great to have you here today. We're so excited about this. Uh, So you are the senior pastor of Real Life Ministries, and you have a brand new book, uh, The Power of Together, that is now out. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, a little bit about your background and where you got the idea of this book from? Yeah, uh, my background is uh, at one point I was a pastor's son, but uh, I would be I would say I was an unbelieving pastor's son. So uh, you know I grew up in the church, uh, was you know had some experiences that were uh, hard for little kids to have. It was hard to be a pastor's kid. Uh, Enter into that alcohol and drugs. Uh, I go into college on a sports scholarship and learn all about atheism and evolutionary theory and all of that. And you put all that together, and, and I I don't believe. And then uh, the slow journey of where uh, alcoholism and addiction and and sin leads. Uh, I finally get there, and and my father and mother, who I had rejected and humiliated, never gave up on me and and started sending me things that would answer my intellectual questions. And between uh, the answers I was getting and the um, consequences from my actions, those two things coming together, I, I came to the place where I decided that maybe there was a God, but then it was, okay, which God? And I studied about every form of religion I could study, and, and then came to the conclusion that Christianity really was true. And um, and then, but that didn't make me feel any better, because, you know, after everything I had done, I just didn't think God could save me. And then, you know, I had a disciple maker walk me through what the gospel meant, and how it changes your life. And, you know, long story short, I, I, I then said I, I would have nothing to do with the church, but I, but I love Jesus. And um, you know, my dad walked me through, you can't say you love Jesus, but hate his family. And, and, uh, so then I said, all right, I'll, I guess I'll be a part of the church, but I'll never be a pastor. And over time, God said, Hey, you're going to be what I call you to be. And so I said, I'll be a pastor. And then I said, I'd never be a church planner. And then God said, no, you're going to be what I tell you to be. And, and the long story short, now I, I end up at, uh, planting a church and, and it's been an amazing ride of of learning that God directs, and I I just do what He tells me to do. So, um, for me, it was not only Jesus, but a disciple maker who walked me through all of the steps 
to spiritual maturity. Of course, you're never fully spiritually mature, and so I'm still in that journey. But but uh, I began a church here in North Idaho, and it grew, and it took off. We started in small groups, and and it took off, and and uh, uh, you know we were making disciples, and and that led to people around the country saying, "Hey, what's going on over there?" And so I began writing some books on what what disciple making looks like, and how do you have a disciple making church? And and um, we started doing trainings around the country for churches. But then, as I would sit down and talk to the people um, about what they were learning and where they were at, they were they were learning correctly that Jesus is the greatest disciple maker, and disciple making be- happens best in relationship. Yes, the church has larger settings, uh, but everything has to lead into relationship where people invest in people, uh, and our, and people were getting that. But then, what I was hearing was that they were saying that that relationship is the best methodology for making disciples, which is true, but they were not hearing that maturity in Christ is to be in relationship. So, in a sense, what I was hearing was, relationship is the best methodology, it's the means to an end, but it's not the end in and of itself. In other words, um, yeah, you get in relationships so you can teach people information, which, which is, if that's where you're at, that's an incomplete form of, of spiritual maturity. Yeah, you need to know the Word, you need to hold to your doctrine, but also to your life closely, you know, First uh, Timothy 4 says. And so these, they weren't getting the fact that spiritual maturity is to love God and to love others well. And to be in relationship, we should be the most relational people in the world. And relationship uh, was Jesus's idea, and he said, by our oneness, our relationship, the world would come to know so it's our best way of reaching lost people because they were born to need relationship. They just lost it because of sin. Christians should be able to show them how to rebuild what they had had, had stolen bec- or had stolen from them because of sin. And so um, Christians should be the most relational people in the world, and we should be the best lovers of God and lovers of others. But somehow along the line, uh, that definition of maturity had been stolen, much like in the in the first church, you know, the, they thought that because they were gifted and they were giving their money away and everything else, they were mature, which is why Paul said, hey, you can know all mysteries and speak in the tongues of angels and of men, but if you have not love, you are nothing. You're a resounding gong. And so, you know, back then they had lost the fact that maturity isn't just what you know and what you can do, but it's your ability to be in relationship. And so, for me, this journey of of making disciples and, and, and helping people understand what maturity is so that they can shoot towards that right goal has been an important part of our journey here at this church. And for me personally, not only do we win people to the Lord because of our relationship, uh, you know, we're people who love well, but it strengthens us. It gives us the ability to be who we're called to be. We weren't just sent out to do a mission, and it's just me and Jesus. That mission included doing it with others, which is why Jesus would send people out by two, which is, uh, or more. People were supposed to be in a relationship for their own benefit. And I just think the Church has lost our best methodology for reaching lost people because we're not in relationship, but we've also lost a a main source of strength to help us get through life and to complete the ministry, which is our relationship with one another. 
And so, you know, the book really outlines what is spiritual maturity and the power that God intended for us to have because of our relationship with each other. That is an amazing both life story and also it's really cool to just hear your heart about this book. I think I can relate to, and I know a number of our listeners, I'm sure, can also relate to, uh, especially what you were talking about in your own personal journey where you found that your ideas of where you thought you were going to be going does not always match up with God's ideas of where uh, he designed you to be going. Uh, And I think that that has really interesting spiritual significance, especially when we compare it to God's original plan for the church versus a lot of how we hear that church is supposed to be today. Can you talk about that a bit? Yeah, uh, uh, the church that we've been handed in our our slice of history is a church that you go to. It's not a church that you are a part of as a family. Uh, again, I think most Christians in today's culture kind of have a me and Jesus mentality. Uh, I'm, I, you know, I'm abiding in Christ, meaning that I, if I'm mature, I have a spiritual time. Uh, where I do my devotions, I read and I pray, and and even I'll I'll go serve at church somewhere. But as I meet with pastors, and we've trained thousands of pastors, the number one characteristic that stands out to me is they're lonely. They're they're lonely people. They kind of have this um, view that their credibility to speak comes from their perfection or their ability to to be gifted and to do their job well, but also to, to live out kind of this perfect Christian walk. And since they know they make mistakes, they, they believe they can't let anybody get too close to them, so they keep everybody at arm's length. And so um, as the head goes, the body follows. If that's their Christian walk, kind of like where everybody, you know, how you doing? Fine, fine, fine. Because if I'm not fine, then there must be something wrong with me or my, my Christian walk. Everybody kind of does their own thing and keeps their their spiritual life, what's really going on inside of them, a secret. You know, I learned from AA that, you know, getting out of addiction meant I had a sponsor, somebody who really invested in my life. I had people where I could come and say, hey, my name is Jim Putman, and I'm an alcoholic, and I've been sober for so-and-so, you know, or, or I fell. And everybody would say, we're really glad you're here. There was this environment of where you had somebody really investing in you, and you had a group of people you could be honest with about your struggles. Well, that's supposed to be the church. AA was being more like the church, confessing your sins one to another, bearing each other's burdens, spending time together. The AA was being more like God's designed church than the church was. Wow. And and so what I, I, I started looking at at the church going, wait a second. Where, where are we doing life together? Where do we really know each other? Where do we, if you don't know what's going on in my life, how can you carry my burdens? How can I carry yours? If everybody's fine, then, then um, where, you know, where's, the, uh, where's the, the one another's part of Scripture get implemented? Where, how does that happen? Uh, you know, James says, confess your sins one to another and you will be healed. There's a confession and healing that happens as we do life together. There's a protection where we hold each other accountable, where we know each other. But current church is a place where you just go. Maybe you know the Word. Most Christians don't, by the way. Um, Maybe you uh, serve in some way. Most Christians don't. 
um, they, they aren't discipled. They aren't encouraged. They don't do life together. So consequently, um, if it takes real discipleship, a real spiritual family, to help you grow up in your salvation, and you don't have that, it typically means that you're immature. And if, let's say, 90% of people, don't, they're not serving in the Church, they're not in deep relationships with other believers within the body of Christ, they don't have a spiritual family, someone mentoring them and, and, and helping them understand what, what not, ju- not just what knowledge is and truth is, but how to live your life with other people, and, you know, and they're not mature in those ways. If that's 90% of the people, well, well, then that would mean that Christ is represented in the world 90% of the time by people who are spiritually immature, which is why unsaved people have the view of the Church that they do. Because if, if spiritually immature people who look mostly like the world are those representing Jesus, then it makes sense that they're going, hey, I already got what you got. Why do I want to go and do that with you? You're a brat. You're a spiritual brat. In the name of Jesus, why do I want that? So, again, not only is this form of Christianity not doing a good job of reaching lost people, but it's it, it, when you look at the statistics, I don't, it, the number of kids that are being brought up in the church to leave the church when they grow up, most never to return, it, we're not even keeping those who get supposedly saved. And so we're losing our own kids, we're not reaching lost kids, and it's because the form of Christianity that we're trying to live out is not the biblical form that was given. And so it's not helping us, it's not helping them. And, and so that's my goal, is to say, hey, yes, we know right doctrine, yes, we use our gifts and abilities, but yes, we really know and love each other and do life together. So on that note then, how can we cultivate greater spiritual maturity and relationships within church? Well, I think it starts with the leaders, honestly. Um, as I said, as the head goes, the body falls. When the leaders have a, a uh, powerless, almost uh, broken view of what maturity is in their own lives, then what they can only give what, to people what they have. And so that's what we've been working on with the Relational Discipleship Network and with our training, our discipleship trainings, is saying, hey, before you start going and trying to change your churches, let's start with changing your personal walk with the Lord, where you're honest and you're real and you have people that you're, you're doing life with. Again, you know, most of these guys, I'm not kidding, in seminaries, they're taught, don't get close to your people. Don't, don't let your people know who you really are. You know, kind of, you've got to have this... Um, uh, distance, safe distance from your people. And I, and I always say to them, you know, if, if Jesus didn't do that. Jesus was the absolute Son of God, and there couldn't have been a bigger gap between him and his broken-down disciples. Yet he shared who he really was with his disciples. He, he, he was grieved to the point of death, and he told his disciples. We hear him crying out, Lord, if this cup, take this cup from me if it's possible, but not my will be done, but yours be done. He said to his disciples, come and pray with me. You know, part of the discipleship process was that these guys were Jesus' support system. If Jesus did that with his guys, then who are we to say we, we can't be understood by our people? Once we start to cultivate that top-down sort of change in culture, open honesty, doing life together. We'll have healthier pastors, a healthier model of what Christianity is supposed to be. 
And then, you know, again, pastors oftentimes have to go, listen, it's not my job to just gather a crowd. I'm a coach. It's my job to model what it looks like to play and then put people in the positions uh, where they can actually do life together. So, yes, we have a large group setting, but every large group setting needs to move towards real relationship, doing life together every week, not just attending church one, one day a week and, and shaking hands and being friendly, because there's a diff- big difference between being polite and friendly and being in relationship. So the focus of the church has to change. Absolutely. So then if the churches are able to achieve this sort of relational maturity that you're talking about here, then what do you think the impact of that will be on the surrounding culture? Well, if Christians have deep relationships with God and others, um, if they're, you know, I I look back at Acts 2 where it says that, uh, you know, 3,000 were baptized in one day, and then they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to breaking of bread, to fellowship, and to prayer. And then it, it goes along the lines, and it says uh, that they met together in the temple courts and house to house. Daily, it says they met. They, um, they sold their possessions and goods. They loved each other. They supported one another. Uh, and then it says uh, at the end of that, and they enjoyed the favor of all the people, not just the Christians, but the unsaved people. Why? Well, it's because these people that are loving each other and giving their stuff away and helping even unsaved people, it's hard to hate someone that is willing to give their life away for you. I think if our Christians understand that it's not just their job to go to church or even invite people to church, it's their job to be the church and to to understand that they are a holy nation, a royal priesthood, a people belonging to God, that their job is to make disciples, that they share with unsaved people and invite them into connection, in relationship, and help disciple them. As we give a model that regular people can follow, and they start to live it out, it will create healthier Christians who understand who and what they are with a healthier lifestyle. It'll be like releasing a spiritual army of strong believers into the world uh, who, who work in every place in town, who go to school. Who, you're, 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 you're moving that number from 10% of your people to be, being mature to 50% of your people being mature who are sharing Christ. You're changing the, the way non-Christians see the Christians because I really believe this. Non-Christians know they need relationship. I mean, think about it. Every secular song is about, I lost relationship, I, I, I need relationship, I was hurt in relationship. They all know they, they need relationship. You know, all I need is love. They know it because they were designed by God to need it. The problem is, many of them went to church and they didn't find relationship in the church. So now they think, well, I won't find it there. And, and Jesus says that, all the law and the prophets are summed up in loving God and loving others. That every law hangs on that. That the, the Holy Spirit has been given to us. The fruit of the Spirit is love. For who? For others. Joy. Peace with who? Others. Patience, kindness, gentleness. All the fruit of the Spirit is relational in nature. As we become great lovers of both those within the family of God and those outside of the family of God, the reputation of Christ changes. Unfortunately, people reject Jesus oftentimes because they have the wrong definition of who they who he is. Well, how did they get the wrong definition? 
by those who represent him. So I just believe that we'll keep those that we've got, and we'll reach lost people because real discipleship is going to be happening in the body of Christ. Absolutely. So if people want to read more about this from you, where can they find your book? Um, you can go to Amazon. You can go to all, uh, the bookstores. You can you can just go online, and, and uh, I think most people are getting it that way. You can go on to, to Kindle or your iPad or wherever. But, um, you know, it, it, is a, it is a challenging uh, message because... Um, there's a, there's generations of Christians, you know, who think they're mature because they know a lot, and it's going to challenge you yeah. to think bigger than that. Absolutely. And you know what? As Christians, we are called to be challenged, to be challenging our faith, and to keep growing with others in that relationship community that you talked about. So, Pastor, do you mind closing us out in prayer today? Sure, that'd be great. Father, I just uh, I pray for your church. Lord, you said the gates of hell would not prevail against your church. You didn't say the gates of hell would not prevail against a church, not my church, not anybody else's church, just your church. Lord, help us to uh, be willing to look at the difference between our church and your church. And then help us uh, be willing to press into your view, your idea. Lord, I pray that, that right now more than ever, Christians would be um, standing on a strong foundation of your word and of relationships. They'd be standing on the rock because the rain is coming, the wind is coming, and a house built on the sand isn't going to stand. Lord, help us to encourage one another and help us uh, to see lost people out there uh, and, to, and to love them by reaching out and pulling them up on the rock, the foundation of your your church, Lord. Thank you for uh, giving us the blueprint and the power within us to, to actually achieve that. Thank you for brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't know how I would make it without your people. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Pastor Jim, for coming on the show today. We really appreciate hearing from you. You bet. Absolutely. Good to, good to be on there. The book is The Power of Together. It is now out. You can find it in bookstores, on Amazon, really any place that books are sold. You've been listening to Jim Putnam on Charisma Connection here on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Taylor Berglund, and thanks for joining us. Holocaust survivors often feel lonely and forgotten. But through the Ministry of Reach Initiative International, these survivors discover that they are remembered, honored, and loved by followers of Christ. For over 20 years, Reach Initiative's teams have unconditionally loved and sacrificially served hundreds of survivors. They visit survivors at their homes, help with practical needs, and provide spiritual and emotional support. Reach Initiative's goal is to love them into the kingdom of God one at a time. In just the past three years, 26 Holocaust survivors have embraced Jesus. Many more are close. If you'd like to support or simply stay informed about this incredible ministry, visit reachii.org. That's reachii.org and receive an inspiring free memoir from one survivor in ebook form. Don't wait to learn more about this amazing ministry. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. 
Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible.